No, it's so good to be here, and I was very honored that your pastor asked me to, to fly out here from Brooklyn to come preach and, and spend some time over here in, in the Bay Area. So um, praying for his time off and, and your church in this, in this city. It's a good city, so I'm glad to be here. Um, pray with me. Father in heaven, glory to your name, Father. We bless your name, and we forget not your benefits. You are a good God. You're a loving Father. Lord, and we long to see your kingdom come, to see your kingdom break through in our lives, in this city, in our country, and in the world, Father. So I pray that our hearts would be receptive, that your word would fall on good soil this morning, and that we would respond to you with praise and adoration and thankfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We'll get right to it. Uh, and just FYI, like, I'm... Born and raised in LA, and married married into Brooklyn, so um, so like I have a divided heart. <laughs> um, but we won't talk about sports or anything like that. <laughs> I don't want to upset any apple carts or anything like that. We're just keeping on the Bible this morning. Um, <laughs> can we can we agree that there's things that we just that we avoid talking about? That there, that there are topics, that there are issues, that there are things that we just go, I don't want to go there. Maybe even during certain election seasons with certain people, certain family members, you're like, let's not go there. Let's just have Thanksgiving. Let's just talk about the football game that's coming. And, and every once in a while, like, you'll come to church and there'll be this message and you just know in your head already, I don't want to go there. This pastor, this preacher, this message is already getting too much into business. Has anybody ever been there? All right. And so there's times, so there's language that we use sometimes when we talk about, uh, we talk about our heart as like a house. And so um, there's people that come to me and they go, Rashad, man, I was fine when you were in my living room, but today you was trying to get all up in the bedroom and in, in the master bathroom. And that part is closed. <laughs> you can't come that far. You can come into the living room, maybe the kitchen, but you can't go much farther than that because I'm not ready for you to see what's in there. And Jesus, on the Sermon on the Mount, this whole series that, that we're in this summer, Jesus is going there. And he constantly goes there. And you know who he constantly goes there with? The religious people. The religious people, he's pushing the envelope, he's raising the stakes, and he's going past the living room, and he said, I'm trying to go a little bit deeper. I think many of us say that's enough, Jesus. The religious leaders often were saying, Jesus, that's enough. You've gone too far, Jesus. Stop what you're doing. And oftentimes, the question that they were asking when they were hearing the teachings of Jesus is, how far is too far? They asked Jesus, how far is too far? How many times should I forgive? How many times until I should hit back? How many times, how, how far is too far? This is what they would ask Jesus. And Jesus' response would always be, until you've gone all the way. Until I have all of you. See, this isn't a sermon about tithing, but about who or what has your heart. Teaching text, Matthew 6, 19 through 24. 
Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will, also, will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. So there's, there's this thought that we pursue what we love. We pursue what we love. And I, and I want to enlighten you all today. We are all in pursuit of something. No matter what, even if you're unhappy with where you're at in life, you're in pursuit of something. No matter where you're at, if you're not in the city that you want to live, whatever it is, we're all in pursuit of something. We're all going after something. Whether it's something worthy to be praised or not, we're all in pursuit of something. So whether it's the, the body you want, if you want that CrossFit, chiseled body, like you might want that, man. I had that at one time. Those days are way behind me, so I wear loose fitting shirts so you think they have the appearance of an okay fit dude. Um, <laughs> You're in the pursuit of, of a promotion. You're in the pursuit of a record deal. Maybe you, got, maybe you can spit bars and you're like, man, I'm just undiscovered talent right now and one day I'm gonna make it. And you're in pursuit of that. Maybe you're an artist and, and you wanna sell your art and you wanna come to Brooklyn and be a famous artist. <laughs> Jokes. Uh, maybe you want a better, a better apartment or a better spouse. No, or maybe you want a spouse. Can we keep it honest today? Can we keep it 100 today? Okay, let's do that. Maybe your pursuit of is acceptance. Maybe, man, if I accomplish something, maybe people will accept me. Maybe my family will accept me. And so we're all in pursuit of something. And we're pursuing things that we believe will make us happy. We're pursuing things that we believe will make us complete. We're pursuing things that we think will give us security. Happiness, completion, security. And what, what Jesus is doing here and what he always does is just unmask the false narrative of the day. He's unmasking it. He's deconstructing it. And he's telling the people of God that you can't find complete security and self in the accumulation of wealth and possessions. You're looking for a completeness. You're looking to find yourself in the things that you're able to acquire with your hands. And he's telling them that is the wrong metric. It's a hard teaching for us today. It's a hard teaching because in the West, in, in hip-hop culture, man, I was taught to get money. This is, what, this is what you're taught. Man, get money. Pac said it. Biggie said it. <laughs> get money. Okay, Pac, I'm going to get money. And that's, and that's what you're taught. I mean, whether it's television or school or mentors, at some way the, our measure of success is by what you acquire. Man, I got, I, got a new, I got a new ride. Man, I got these new J's. I got a, a new guitar, a new MacBook, whatever it is. I got I, acquiring something. 
And, and trust me, we go in the coffee shop and we measure people up if they, we got a better laptop than them. And we're judging them by the, by the technology they use. Oh, you, you got the old edition. I got the new edition, you know? New edition, that's a great group too. Um, they're on tour right now. It's really good. Um, what many in our society treasure is money and things. And Jesus knows that this is true even of church folk. Now, I just want you to know I'm not talking about anybody in here. There are other churches and other church folks in other cities. But Jesus is talking and he says, I know that this will even be a temptation of people in the church. I know this will be a temptation of the people of God to pursue earthly wealth. One commentator says, People's choices and actions are shaped by the things they cherish most. Their choices and actions are shaped by the things they cherish most. So what do you cherish? Here's what treasure means, a simple definition. Treasure refers to something valuable, such as silver or gold. That which is of exceptional value and kept safe. So Jesus is talking about our treasure and where are you treasuring and where are you storing your treasure. And treasure is something that we deem valuable. It's worth something. And because of its worth, we guard it. We protect it. And we pursue to acquire more of it. So here's what he said in verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. And Jesus, in this, in this passage of Scripture, he gives two, two imperatives, two commands. Do not store. Number one, do not store. In the King James, do not lay up. Do not store up for yourselves. What, what is he saying? He's saying, do not make the pursuit of earthly treasure, your life's aim. Why? Why, Jesus? What's wrong with it? What's wrong with wanting to have some nice things, Jesus? Do not make that the aim of your life. Why? It's not as safe as you think it is in light of eternity. It's not as valuable as you think it is in light of eternity. It depreciates. See, the tre treasure lasting is part of the key to its value, that, that it lasts, that you don't go in there and it's gone. And Jesus is saying that the treasure that you're trying to acquire is not really treasure because it's going to disappear and depreciate. There was a story about the people of God and God would, would feed them. He'd feed them, what is it? Manna. That's what, it's, that's what it means. What is it? What is this stuff? And God would give them manna every day. We read in the Lord's Prayer, give us today our daily bread, manna. So every day God would give them just enough for the day. And people would try to get a little greedy and go, I'm going to take some manna for late night munchies. <laughs> I'm going to acquire extra manna for tomorrow. Maybe I can use it as some bargaining chips. I'm going to acquire the manna and, and hold on to it and be the king of the hill. Maybe, maybe I can distribute and be like God. Some of you are going to catch some of the stuff that I'm saying. If you read between them. 
I wonder what we're saying by trying to make man to last more than a day and not enjoy what we've been given. It's just spoiling. It's spoiling. We're trying to collect something that's not meant to be saved for the future. You're supposed to take what you need now because if you try to collect it and save it and put it in your pocket and hide it, it's going to spoil. Moth and vermin destroy. I know we don't use words like vermin, but that's moth and vermin destroy. So besides silver and gold, fabrics were very costly. And, and they'd be stored for, for safekeeping. And so the... So you, I thought it was the moths that fly around that ate the clothing. No, those lay eggs and the larvae live inside of the clothing and they eat the clothing and eat holes in it and destroy the precious clothing. The worst feeling is to come home and something that you've been looking forward to enjoying has been partially eaten. <laughs> and New Yorkers know this well. Because we got vermin all over the place. <laughs> and it loses its value. It loses its worth. And what you've been saving up and trying to acquire has just now been destroyed. Or better yet, coming home and find out the thing that you treasure has been stolen. See, in the first century, many of the walls are made out of, out of a hardened mud. And so if a thief was really determined, they could literally crawl through your walls and steal what you have. And Jesus is saying, what you're storing up can be stolen by somebody breaking through the wall. And what we realize when our valuables are destroyed, eaten, and stolen is that we're more vulnerable than we realized. We're more vulnerable than we realize, and the things that we've prided ourselves on and, 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 and cemented our identity can easily be taken from up under us by one bad day, by one vermin, by one thief. Everything that we've built our lives on, the whole arc of our lives, snatched up from under our feet because we've placed our identity and our hope in something very temporal. Anybody with me? Come on now. And what really rocks us at the core is what meant to define us, mark our happiness, can be taken away so quickly. And so we get really introspective. We come to the realization that maybe, I hope, there is something more important, something more valuable in life that can't be taken away so easily. I hope that there's something to life that's worth way more than the few dollars that I have. <laughs> I believe that what Jesus is saying here is that there's something worth treasuring that cannot be taken away or depreciate. There's something that God is offering us that cannot be stolen, rotted, or taken away from you. Verse 20, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not Breaking and still. The second command, the second imperative, store up 
lay up, store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Make the riches of God the pursuit of your life. Make the riches of his kingdom the pursuit of your life. Since we're all on pursuit, since we're all in pursuit of something, pursuit, pursue things that will stand the test of time. Pursue things that will not be corrupted, lost, stolen, or go bankrupt. Well, my question for you is, whose value system are you ascribing the worth of the things you're pursuing? So Jesus is doing, he's doing an evaluation of his kingdom and the world. And he's saying, these are not even comparable. These are not even comparable. If you could get a glimpse of the riches of the kingdom of heaven, we would change the course that we're charted on and head a different direction. That's, that's the whole goal of repentance. Man, I've been going the wrong thing, way. I've been chasing the wrong thing. I see something that's so much greater. The whole book of Hebrews talks about Jesus is so much greater than anything that's ever come before. And a few people in the first century got a hold of that treasure and said, that's what I'm after. What about you? Jesus said in Matthew 13, 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. That field. What field do you have your eyes on? What field are you trying to purchase? And Jesus says, when, it, when you get a glimpse of the kingdom of heaven, it's like this. It's worth selling everything you have to find it. It's the pearl of great price. So like I said earlier, we pursue what we love. We love what we place our highest value on. And you can't separate the two. Here's what Jesus says it. I'm not making this up. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What you treasure, what you value, what you, what you pursue, there, there's where your heart will be. Our, as a people of God, our actions have to match our declarations. Because our actions are our declarations. What, what we do says everything that we believe about God. Where we spend our money says everything what we believe how money should be used. Our actions tell us what our hearts really desire. Our actions tell us who's really in control. Our actions tell us who's really on the throne of our hearts. Our actions tell us who we're really serving. Anybody with me? I got five. All right. <laughs> Some of us, I'm going to say it myself, I take inventory when I get messages like this, like, over my life. You know, like, man, I, I got pretty good church attendance. I got, a, I got a pretty good giving record. I put it up against a lot of people's giving records. <laughs> pretty good in my philanthropic work, philanthropy. Um, <laughs> I give to noble causes and I add it all up. Like, oh man, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing okay. 
I'm tithing my mint and my cumin and my herbs and missing the point. Jesus said in Luke 21, Jesus saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. What's Jesus saying? It's not about the two coins or 20 coins. Stop counting and asking how far. Those two coins were all she had. And we're always asking how much, how far is this the standard? And Jesus said the standard is always all. It's about all. Does God have all of your heart? Does he have all of your heart? Does he have the part of your heart that cares about money? Does he have the part of your heart that cares about your career or your social standing or your possessions? Getting in the bedroom. Does he have all of your heart? And not sentimentality, not surface level heart, but the deepest parts of our affection and devotion. Does he have it? And I want you to ask yourself, what do I treasure? And not the church answer that you would say if you came up here and you were given a speech. <laughs> like, what do you really treasure? If we followed you around, if we looked at what you did with your life, we took account of how you spent your time, the things that you think about, the things that you actually dream about, what is really your treasure? What are you really pursuing? Where is your heart really at? And see, the closer... The closer we get to Jesus, the more that he reveals the secrets of our heart. The more that he exposes the things that we've been trying to hide from him. What's the things in our heart that's so locked and guarded? Those are the things that Jesus is after. So Jesus keeps raising the stakes. And why does he raise the stakes? Not just to make you feel bad and to put you in the corner and go, man, Jesus, I'm just not good at this Christianity thing. Like he raises the stakes so we can be changed. Because yes. he wants us to be changed. He goes, I actually believe that you can be like me. Let me in so I can address some of these things that you're hiding from me because I actually want to free you from them. The son has come to give freedom. And he wants us to be changed so that we can prioritize heaven. So we can prioritize God's agenda here in the world. And so we can be free from the grip of money and possessions and dismantle a whacked out worldview of how we need to approach money and finances and possessions. Tim Keller says this, greed hides itself from the victim. The, the money... God's modus operandi includes blindness to your own heart. Do you have a sober perspective of yourself? Here's the thing. As a pastor, I rarely, rarely, rarely get anyone to come up and say, Pastor, can you pray with me about my relationship with money? I get a whole lot of things, man. I just want direction in my career. I mean, I'm really good at this, but I just, I just want to know what God wants me to do with it. There's usually things that sound pretty good, like, man, yeah, of course I'll pray with you for that. I rarely get someone to say, man, I think, I think I'm greedy. 
I just think I have, I think I have too much money. I, I'm struggling with generosity. I just, I don't get people like that. <laughs> Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Jesus warns us about the love of money. It's seductive. It colors how we think and how we view things and how we see things. And, and, and a lot of us approach it and go, it won't affect us. It won't affect me. Or, or me, I was like, man, I would love to be tempted, Jesus, with that opportunity to let some money come my way. <laughs> I'll be a faithful steward. <laughs> Why don't I get tempted with those kind of things? He says it's, it's seductive and we often approach it, it won't affect me or it's, it's not affecting me or I'm doing better than those around me. Oh man, you look at other people in my industry, man, I'm way better when it comes to the idea of money than they are. The love of money clouds our understanding and changes our heart and Jesus wants to upend those tables in our hearts. He wants to drive out that ideology that it's mine, I need to acquire more out of our hearts. So we can have unfiltered communion with God. Yes. <laughs> yes. Let, let the little ones come to Jesus. Um, and that's, that's how things work. It's, it's subtle. It feels normal. It's, it's easy to, to, to mesh it with our faith. Like, oh, yeah, this, this is okay. Like, God's okay with this. And it's... It it's subtly clouds our heart and, and blocks Jesus out of being Lord of that area. So we rarely realize how deep we're into something until the Spirit of God, like, pierces through. I, I rarely realize how deep I am into something until someone helps me, brings me into a different perspective. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I didn't realize how far I was. I didn't realize how deep I was. And for me, that you, the Holy Spirit usually challenges my grip. And Jesus will ask me to, to surrender something that I don't, that I don't think is wrong, that I, that I don't see as bad. And then when I realize how hard it is for me to, to let go of it, I realize that I've made it an ultimate. And not until I've allowed God to open my hand do I realize how much this thing has actually had a hold of me. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The, the pursuit for money and possessions will end up creating a competition in your heart. Uh, and forget McGregor Mayweather. Like, it's going to be a real fight. <laughs> See what I did there? I didn't pick sides. You don't know who I'm, who I'm going for. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fight. It's a tug of war between what you, what you want and what you, what you think you want. The point is, one, one author says, that one will choose the favorite if a choice has to be made. What's winning? What's winning for you? And you might go, you know, I don't actually have a lot of money, so this message is not for me. It's about your pursuits. It's about what you really want. It's about what you really desire. 
every time that I preach something, I get challenged with the message that I'm, that I'm trying to post to the, to the congregation. And um, I was walking to the coffee shop in, in, here in downtown San Francisco. I was really hungry. And I was so happy because they had so many delectables, right? And so I got my coffee and I got two treats. I'm like, man, I'm super hungry. And this, and this, is, where, this is where, like, God's exposing my heart. I'm walking down the street and I'm like, please, no one ask me for anything. <laughs> And this is a real, like, not a prayer, but a prayer, like, man, I just, I want to enjoy this for myself. I deserve it. I work hard. And I, and I wonder how many times in life we're just like, we think that we deserve something. We think that, man, I just, I don't, I don't ask God for much. And this little bit I have, I want it. And it's the subtle way that we're storing up treasure for ourselves. And Jesus, and I'm just like, I'm probably going to eat these two danishes and feel guilty afterwards. Why do I have such a grip on if someone wants to ask me for something that I would be so reluctant to give it to them? And I know the rewards of it, but I'm so hungry right now that I don't want to share. And there's so many times in life where we're, we're at that point is when God asks you, let it go. Not when everything is great. Not when you, it's the time where you actually want it. Where it feels counterintuitive. And, and the Holy Spirit is like, you should give that to that person. You should let go of that. It, it's starting to get a grip on your heart. Let it go. A divided heart and a divided mind is the problem that Jesus is talking about. And the subtle nature of pursuing wealth causes a divided heart and a divided mind. James says, a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. And so it says the word despise. You would despise one. It's saying that you will treat with contempt. You will either treat with contempt money or God. And that means you will think nothing of. As it begins to have its way in your heart, you will begin to think nothing of the ways of the kingdom and the kingdom of God because you have already given in to the kingdom of this world. Jesus is trying to tell us what life is really about. What reality really is. He says, beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. He's redoing the metric. Life is not measured by how much you own. He's upending our value system, what we deem successful and important. And what, what he's saying, at least to me, stop comparing yourselves to others. Stop comparing yourself to other people. If you want to get jealous, be jealous that someone is rich in Jesus and they know it. Be provoked to jealousies for the riches of heaven. Because at the end of the day, 
when it's all said and done, what, what, we're, what we're left with is a face-to-face encounter with the Holy One. And we're going we're gonna to get the fruit of what we pursued. And Jesus is saying it's, it's worth it. The, the riches of his kingdom are worth it. They're incomparable to anything that you would ever try to acquire in this earth. And guess what? Everything that you've tried to acquire will let you down. Whatever you've made an ultimate here will ultimately let you down. It won't last. So the question for us is, who's your master? If it's things, if things are mastering you, if, it's, if you're being mastered by, by, by the metrics of this world, call it out. This is, this is not shame. This is not guilt. Like, recognize it. Name it. Call it out. And then revolt against it. Live radically. Live generously. Live a life poured out for the kingdom. Recognize it, stare it in the face and go, I'm not going to give in to that. I'm going to live the way of Jesus and give my life for the people around me and for my city. Last story. Jesus is walking and a little guy, a tax collector named Zacchaeus climbs in a tree and sees Jesus. And Jesus says, Zacchaeus, today I'm going to have dinner at your house. Zacchaeus said yes. He let Jesus in, and his life was changed. His life was changed that day. And that day, Zacchaeus became generous. He went beyond the standard 10%, 20%. He said, I will give back four times all that I've taken. He's he's like, man, because the lavishness of the grace that you've just washed over me, what can I give? I see everything differently. My heart has changed. Tim Keller says this, Jesus had replaced money as Zacchaeus' savior. And so money went back to being merely that, just money. So maybe, maybe you're beating yourself up or you're trying to make yourself different. Trying to like change that part of you. And I'm just going to say, say Yes to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Say yes to Jesus' invitation to come in. Welcome Jesus into the part of your lives that, that you want to block him out. Invite Jesus into the deepest part of your being where the power of God pushes out the competing forces. Where the love of God surpasses any faint love that we have for things here. This is why people dropped everything and followed Jesus. This is why 21 years of age outside of L.A., when I heard the message of the gospel, when I heard the grace and the good news of Jesus, I said, man, I'm in. I'm in. I don't don't know what that means. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm in. People dropped everything to follow him. May the lavish grace of God endless mercy of our Father, the unfailing love, clothe you with contentment and be the ground on which you build your life. Father, we bless your name. We thank you for your word that you are rich in mercy. Your love is never ending. And God, we just say we're yours. 
have our hearts. We submit to you. We bow down before you, God. And we just say, come in. Holy Spirit, come in. You're welcome here. You're welcome in our lives. We want to be ambassadors for your kingdom, Lord. And God, we just say, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen.